Welcome to another episode of the NRL Supercoach All-Stars podcast. This is Barnsey. We're here for Market Watch, and once again, we have the catfish himself, Wilford. How are you doing today, Wilford? Yeah, not too bad, Barnsey. And yourself? Yeah, pretty good, thanks, mate. Did you um, have an exciting round two? Round three, I should say. Jeez. Do we have to talk about it? Let's just say our captain, Teddy, and, and yeah, that probably sums up my round. Yeah, I said round two accidentally because I'm still trying to think about that. I've just completely forgotten about round three altogether. I don't even want to go near it. It was terrible. Probably the worst round three I can remember having for a couple of years. You're not wrong. It was a pretty rough week for a lot of us. Yeah, I guess that's a good thing. When you have these bad weeks, if you look around and a lot of other people are as well, it makes it not as bad. And I actually didn't drop as as much as I thought I was going to, so that's, that's a bit of a plus. So... Market watch. So today, everyone, we're going to go through, uh, like always, our buy, hold, and sell guys heading into round four. So first off, let's talk about the buyers. And Wilfred Marshall King's probably at the top of that list at the Bulldogs. He won the starting half position last week. Played fairly well. I mentioned to you and a couple of the other guys around the traps that I was really surprised that Frawley actually got dropped. I thought he was going okay. And I actually looked at Frawley and checked how much he was in round two because he was looking okay. And then all of a sudden, Pays dropped him and put Marshall King in. So a little bit surprising. 218K, he's got a break-even of one. However, he's a low score in the first week. He's going to come out of that rolling average and he should go back into negative break-even again after this week. So he's an interesting one. Are you looking at trading in Marshall King at the moment? Um, look, I, I won't lie and say I haven't looked at him. I've got Cardi in the halves, who is, yeah, we'll talk about this later, but he's now been dropped to the bench, so he is a chance of being traded out. Also got a couple of stinkers in my second row where I could shift Cardi out um, back up there and, and trade him, like you know, Nichols or, or someone like that, to Marshall King. So, yeah, definitely have looked at him. Like you said, obviously, once that low score from round one and then round two roll out of his three-round average, his break-even will, will drop down again. He certainly looked all right on the field from what I saw last week, but we thought Frawley wasn't looking that bad either, and he got dropped after two games. So it's a really tough one for job security uh, purposes. I mean, assuming if the Bulldogs keep winning, then, yeah, his job security will be good. But let's say another two losses in a row, then what happens then? Yeah, uh, I think Cleland's not that many weeks away from his from return to injury from injury either. So something to keep in mind as well. Yeah, I was actually looking at Cleveland to see whether he was going to be returning early as well. So I'm a little bit unsure, to be honest. Um, he had, obviously, the first two weeks on the bench, so he was only 15 or 14 points. 55 points in round three was really solid. But, you know, he is a half, so he is going to get some attacking stats, obviously. But he got a try assist that really put his points into a, a good ballpark, considering he was starting and playing 80 minutes in the halves. Um, he was looking at like he wasn't going to get much more than you know, his 15-point average for a while there until he, you know, hit his try assist and, and got the line break assist as well, I'm pretty sure. So 23 points in his base for round three. I guess my couple of concerns and why I really wasn't too sure about him, one was the job security that you mentioned, Wilfred, which is a bit of a worry. So looking ahead, they've got South and Canberra. South have been playing a lot better, so that's by no means going to be an easy game. And it is also... That Good Friday game, which is always a pretty tough one. Then they got Canberra away, 
which at the moment is an easy game. It's probably after that they hit the Cowboys and the Roosters, and by then that, that could completely kill him for a couple of weeks. So that was the first one. The second worry for me is whether he's actually going to get enough attacking stats to be able to make a huge amount of money to be worth the trade-in, I guess. Yeah, those were my concerns. Do you think that he's a good buy for this round, or you're still undecided too? Yeah, look, I think it really depends on how the rest of the, the options that present themselves go. You know, we'll probably come to this, but there's obviously uh, Dewey in the center wing, who's you know a lot cheaper, and also with a negative break even, and, and obviously he's got job security concerns as well, but he may actually be a better buy, for example. So we'll no doubt um, examine the pros and cons of him as well. But I think with Marshall King, it really comes down to whether or not you firstly where your tra- trade-out target is. So if you've got someone like Watson stuck at 5'8", who's now injured, if training from Watson to him frees up, you know, close to 100 grand that you can use to then put towards an upgrade of someone else, then look, I think that's a good pair of trades. Uh, would I just do a single downgrade of Watson to Marshall King or, or something like that? I, I don't know. Probably not. I think, yeah, it's, it's a matter of if you can free up coin from a downgrade to Marshall King, then whether he makes up money, makes enough money to work to warrant the trade out. I think you can kind of offset that with the fact that maybe you're off upgrading someone else who's a stinker, like a Latu to RFM and Watson to Marshall King. That would be a brilliant set of trades to go together. And that would I'd, I'd be all aboard on that. But yeah, if you if you're able to free up coin and upgrade somewhere else and get rid of two stinking dead you know, two two bits of dead wood in your team, then it's a I've got no issues with that really. Yeah, Nichols is probably one of those pieces of Deadwood that's a good one to mention as well that a lot of guys are regretting. But let's talk about, um, <laughs> I got rid of him last week. Let's talk about Adam Dewey. So he's a really good comparison and I had him second on our buy list to chat about. He's got a few advantages over Marshall King. One of them being Marshall King comes in at 218k, whereas Dewey's 177k at um, base rookie price. So he's you know reasonably cheaper. He's also got a minus 27 BE. He's going to make cash faster this round. He's going to have a good price rise, one of the better price rises projected um, out of anyone. I guess the other great thing is that he is a dual position player, so you can move him around. And being that centre wing as well is quite handy. But the big elephant in the room, Wilfred, is he has even less job security than what Marshall King has. So at the moment, Adam Reynolds, there was even talk of him maybe returning this week. It doesn't look like that's going to happen. But next week, it seems like, unless he has a setback, he's going to come into the side. And I would assume that Dewey is going to not be in the side or potentially maybe he jags a utility spot. But to be honest, if he gets a utility spot, it's probably not ideal either because he'll start to bleed cash a lot quicker. Dewey is someone who I actually just chose earlier today over Marshall King myself just to free up the extra cash and to get the quicker cash. What are your thoughts on on Dewey for this week instead of Marshall King then? Yeah, I mean, uh, I haven't decided yet, but I have been leaning towards him just for the reason he said he's cheaper. He's got the negative break even. Yes, he's got job security issues, but at the same time, he's also got a better floor because, you know, when he's in the team and Adam Reynolds, he's goal kicking and he's been getting his hands on the ball a fair bit. He's also got the added advantage of some flexibility, like he may end up filling in at centre over some of the other guys, depending on how things go. There's the potential that he could end up playing in round 13 if you hold him for that long, because one injury to Adam Reynolds or 
Greg Inglis and Dan Gagai both being out at origin. Uh, look, there's obviously potential for two, three spots to open up in that back line and, and his versatility may get him in. Yeah, that's a really good point on the goal kicking. I just forgot about that and that's um, that's going to be key as well. That um, gives him a really nice floor with that goal kicking as well. I mean, I think ideally if I were to look at the crystal ball, what I'd want to see is him to play the next couple of games and then go back in the New South Wales Cup and then come back around round 11, cover round 13 and without bleeding any cash in between. And then, um, yeah, exactly. <laughs> you know, be a fantastic sell. That would be great for everybody, probably except for Dewey's career, but we don't really care about him. Um, so, yeah, look, Adam Reynolds could be another two, three weeks away because it sounded like, from reading some of the interviews, it sounded like he's only just started re- uh, running again and they're not entirely confident as to whether or not he's ready to play first grade NRL you know, within that short of a time frame. It could be that he's going to be out for another two, three weeks, and, and that could be enough to get a nice little spike in price. The other thing I like about Dewey is the fact that I think between him and Cody Walker, he's actually um, maybe a, even potentially a better kicker. Yep. So he's got a higher chance of getting the force dropouts and things like that, as opposed to I don't think Marshall King's doing much kicking when you've got four on the side you. So potential for more stats there as well. Yeah, his kicking is really good, and he's like to be mentioned a million times the tallest tallest halfback in history potentially. But yeah, it's working for him. So yeah, I think he's he's a decent one, and I should probably mention to everyone as well. I I was going through before we spoke trying to look at all the great buys for this round. There isn't a hell of a lot. It's a round where it is slim picking. So even though some of these guys look like okay buys, like maybe Marshall King, maybe Adam Dewey, it's not it's not terrible just to hold a trade as well and just to not use it because you're going to have to eventually. And this is shaping up as a round where maybe it's better to hold a trade, if not both trades, if you set up okay. But let's move on to a couple of other guys that are a bit more expensive. Let's talk about a couple of mid-range guys. Cam Murray was on a lot of people's list for round one to chuck in their team as soon as Supercoach opened, and then he ended up having an ankle injury and coming off the bench round one. Started the last couple of weeks, and I know he's someone that you've looked at, Wilfred. Um, Have you traded him in yet? Are you um, big on the Cam Murray train for the next few weeks? Well, I've uh, definitely played around, and he's been in and out of my team a few times as I've reversed trades and explored different options. Yeah, look, I, I am very keen on Murray. I was big on him in the preseason. Uh, all the talk coming out of the Rabbitohs uh, training was that he was going to play, start at lock and play big minutes. And, and he showed at the back end of last year that he does have the ability to score quite well in base and have the fitness to play big minutes, if not 80 minutes. So I was very keen. He's showing in the last few weeks that he's quite quite a good option still. So I think, yeah, he's definitely... Well, he's not, he's not a nailed-on you know, must purchase guy, but it's a pretty good option this week, I reckon. Yeah, he's 413k. He's about to have his big price rise coming up now because he did start that bench game in round one. Last two weeks, he's had 67 and 63 points respectively, which is really good. Probably the better thing with that that I look at it is his base each week has been exactly 55 points in round two and round three. So that's a good base to have. And I think last week he went up to 69-ish minutes he played. His minutes have ramped up a little bit. For me, I was pretty, um, and we've spoken about this, I was a little bit concerned about trading him in myself just because there's a lot of second-row former guns or guys that we thought were going to perform who who really haven't. That I still believe the law of averages that, you know, the Paul Gallons, 
Tom Lolo's, JDB's even, will come good eventually. And I'm just looking two or three weeks down the track thinking that I'd probably rather myself hold off on a Cam Murray and for what's going to be very similar price in a few weeks, trade in one of those guns instead. What do you think about that being an option considering that in 413k, you know, I could get Cam Murray now or if I wait and do that trade in two weeks' time, I could be paying a little bit extra and get a Paul Gallon for a fair bit extra or a JDB for probably not that much extra as two examples. Yeah, I mean, look, it's definitely an option. I think it comes down to you're playing 17 from week to week. Yep. If you've obviously got a decent 17th or 16th player uh, that you're you're plugging in your team and, and you're not needing to upgrade someone to, to get Murray, for example, for the next two, three weeks, then, yeah, maybe you can hold off and just save the trade and, and wait for the fallen gun. But at the same time, if like, my team probably needs a, <laughs> needs someone like a Cam Murray to be my 16th, 17th guy for the time being so I can try to keep up with the leaders and then keep moving forward as opposed to, you know, I, I don't really have the luxury of waiting for the fallen guns, I don't think. Yep. I mean, look, looking at Paul Gallen, if, if he scores, say, 55 to 60 for the next two weeks or whatever, he's still only going to be about 578000 So compare that to a Murray who's 413k going up in price as well and potentially going to churn out the same score, if not better even, depending on how his minutes and everything go. I think that that warrants some consideration. I know it's another trade you might waste or, or, or use, if you want to use that terminology. But I think, yeah, you know, within that time, like you could trade him in for 413K now. In two weeks' time, if he scores, say, 54 and a 50, he's projected to be already about over 470,000, if not higher. So that bridge to, to Gallon becomes a lot smaller and you've got more points in the meantime. Yeah, that's a really fair point. That's a really good one as far as the difference. I actually thought Gallon was going to be cheaper than that. So you've just crushed my dreams for two weeks' time. <laughs> if you're looking at four weeks' time, then maybe Gallon's going to be mid-550,000, 550, 550,000K or, or even less. And that's you know, a really juicy price if he's at that point pumping out 60s because he's got his fitness back or whatever. In the meantime, like you, you could grab... Cam Murray or someone else like that, play them for the next three, four weeks while Gallon ripens up and then this guy, this mid-ranger is going to build Christ as well. You could end up having a, not not a straight swap obviously, but you know within 100 grand or 50 grand or whatever. And yes, it's an extra trade, but you've gotten more points. You're going to have to pay less cash. I think it's a win. Yep. No, I can't disagree with you there. I'm on the fence, but um, I'll reevaluate during the week. But I don't think it's a bad move at all if you're buying him. He's only 413k. Like you said, his minutes are going up. And if he still keeps going with that 55 base, 60s looks like it's pretty feasible. We'll move on to one of his teammates. So a bit of a left field one that you've raised, which not many people would have really thought of. But as far as making money, like if you can make quick cash off someone, it doesn't really matter whether you think they're a good player or not <laughs> or, or how sustainable it is if they can... Do in three weeks what a cash cow cheapie is going to do for you in six or seven weeks. And sometimes it's better just to burn through two trades and just get it done early. And so South's man of last week's, I guess, surprising win against Manly was Robert Jennings. He scored a massive 147 points, which is quite unbelievable. No one, I think, would have thought that Robert Jennings would have had that type of game at any point let alone against Manly, who have started off really well. 
So as a result, like his first three rounds, he's gone 45-37, very Robert Jennings type of super coach lines. And then he's hit 147 points versus Manly. And as a result, he goes into round four with a BE of minus 37. And the fact that that 147 has actually hit on his third game, it's not going to roll out for a couple of weeks. It's going to stick in there. He's looking at a lot of money over the next few weeks. So he's an interesting one, Wilfred. Yeah, definitely. And look, his draw is not ideal, but right now his break-even is negative 42. If he scores, say, 55, 60 for the next two weeks, he he's projected to be about five hundred and eighty five, five hundred and ninety thousand. He's four hundred and forty two now, so he's actually not that cheap. But in two weeks he's gonna be more expensive potentially than every other super you know, center wing option, including potentially Rapana if Rapana doesn't have any big games in the meantime. So Jennings could go from voluntarily a mid priced center wing to the most expensive centre wing in the space of two weeks. And yes, he'll have a break-in of you know, 150 or whatever by then, so you're going to have to sell him after that. But it, it, you could cash out. It could be Jennings to Rapana in two weeks' time, and you get some change. Yeah. You know, it sounds ridiculous, but <laughs> like 55, 60, not, out of the, not unbelievable. All it takes is a lucky trial to. Alternatively, you, know, you could get unlucky like I did with Wade Graham last year. I took the punt, and first game out of his, uh, after his 150-something <laughs> score, he goes and gets himself knocked out twice, once by a Falcon. So he had to go off for a second HIA, and that you know that ruled him out for the rest of the game. He scores 15. That was the worst HIA I've ever seen. I can't believe a guy that plays in the forwards gets hit, gets hit by a ball on the side of the head and has to go off for a HIA. That was... Um, and uh, I did think about you that game because I, I remember you saying that you bought him. I know a lot of people jumped on because I think he scored pretty pretty close to the same sort of score as Jennings, around 147 or something. So he was a similar type of cash grab. But yeah, look, if, it, if, if you can make 150000 off Jennings in two or three weeks, that's a great cash grab. I guess my disclaimer when looking at it is 442000 at this point in the season is a lot to be tied up on someone that may not score very well. So he's someone that you're going to have to play, basically, if you're paying him that much. Because I don't I mean, I mean, don't have enough depth of guys who are good that I'll be able to play instead of him. And probably those first couple of weeks of 45 and 37 points, I think that it's probably reasonable that that's what you should expect against the Dogs and the Dragons and then the Roosters after that. Probably that 42-ish average is probably what you're getting. So it's... It's great for the money. I guess the bad thing is tying it all up for that few weeks is going to mean you're going to have to play the guy and it's not going to give you great points, likely. Yeah, look, I totally agree. It's a high-risk, high-reward play. But you know, if, if your season's struggling, it's not the worst risk to take. I guess I could put it that way. Because at the very least, you're still going to make some cash. Yeah, you might not get the points. But on the flip side, you could be downgrading Jennings to Rapana in two weeks. Oh yeah, yeah uh, he, the sort of the sort of guys that you're going to be able to buy with Robert Jennings in a couple of weeks. It makes me sick thinking about it because it just shouldn't be allowed. Yeah, absolutely. And we all kind of remember Jack Bird a couple of years ago, right? He scored four times in a row, and everyone's laughing. Yep. Freaking Jack Bird, right? <laughs> but he just kept going on with it. So. Uh, I'll give you. Uh, I'll give you. Weirder a, things have happened. <laughs> I'll give you a better example and a weirder thing than that one. Your boy Reed. Jack Reed, remember his Broncos run? Yeah, that's uh, that's what I meant. Jack Reed, not Jack Bird. Jack <laughs> Reed was who was I thinking about? The, the ridiculous run he had. 
where he <laughs> went from like 200 grand to about 550, which was a lot back in, you know, when the cap was a bit smaller. So oh, was that huge. was a ridiculous run. And he just kept going as well. So, yeah, I mean, it's a good point. Robert Jennings could be that outlier that just ends up getting lucky. So I'm probably not going to go there myself only because my team is in such dire straits. I've got injuries everywhere and I just don't have, I just can't have him playing in my 17 and, and taking those points. I'm going to have to get some guns in. So let's segue to um, some guns to buy. One of the biggest names on everyone's lips over the past week has been Gareth Widdop. He has absolutely started the season on fire for the first three weeks and he topped it all off by absolutely destroying the Gold Coast Titans on the weekend. And I don't remember seeing anybody close to 750000 in Supercoach ever before. He's gone up hundred grand this week, even though he already looked like he was overpriced. What a week, or even start of the season for Gareth Widdop. It's ridiculous, right? It starts off with 106 in round one. I mean, I don't think anyone saw that coming. And then, you know, his, his second week he comes out with 64, and you kind of think, well, that's still pretty good, you know? Yeah. Uh, and then week three, well, I know, so I know a fair few people captained him, but probably they didn't even think he was going to go 170 plus. So, yeah, it's, it's huge. It is massive, and like the thing with it as well is he's he's had some low scores in the past where you can see it pretty easily because this year his base in round one to three has been 14, 19, and 18. He doesn't have great base, and when Saints have the, have had those games in the past where they haven't been able to score or they've had to grind things out or their attack's just gone completely MIA, he's had some real stinkers, um, and I've had him for some of those games. But this year, it's like the Dragons just can't do any wrong. Like He's getting... So many attacking points, it's ridiculous. And obviously, a lot of kicks at goal helped him with the Titans as well. But a lot of people are scrambling to buy him. He's gone up to $749,200, which is insane. I will admit, I went and had a look at my team and had a look if I could do a Watson and another gun that's underperforming and see if I can afford him. And I fell short by about thirty grand, so there was no way for me to do it anyway. Do you think it's worth doing it um, if you can do a Watson and, I don't know, um, another gun that's maybe not performing, like, say, Watson and Gallon, for instance, or Watson and Papali if you've got the bank to do it? That type of trade for Gareth Widdop, despite his price, would you do it? For me, the only trade I would consider would be if I had Nathan Cleary because he's going to be out long term. Yep. You're replacing a like-for-like kind of deal, basically. So... I, I just think, I mean, as much as he looks so good on the path and, and so does Dragon, and I know they've got a, a nice draw coming up uh, with the Knights this week and, you know, the Bunnies the week after. But I just, it's just 750 grand is a lot of a lot of coin in your team. And, you know, it, it's pretty much the equivalent of you're paying for like an 85 average or something like that. I think I was working it out before. So... That's what he needs to maintain in order to, you know, not lose your money. So I don't know. Can can you afford to pay that? I think you probably can afford to spend. Let's say you take a, a cheaper option, and, and I, I know we're going to talk about a couple of those options that 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 might be, you know, at least one hundred and fifty to two hundred thousand cheaper than him right now. Yeah, I'll I'll add though with these draw is the next three are also at home, so that's that was the other thing I looked at. He's playing Newcastle at win, South at Jubilee, and then Sharks at win. Um, and then they do play the Warriors away, which is a, a great game anyway for him. 
And they do have the two harder games with um, the Roosters and the Storm, but they're both at home as well. So in actual fact, five out of the next six games now are going to be at home, which, yeah, it's just, it's a very cruel turn of events that Supercoach has thrown upon us with Gareth Winnipeg. Um, I'm sure everybody wishes they started with him, but let's let's talk about some of those um, other options then and we'll roll through those because there is a few really good options. And one of the things that people always bring up is, uh, not chasing last week's points. Probably a little bit unfair with Gareth Widdop because he has been good all year um, and he looks like that he's going to be good for the rest of the year, but he's not going to score 173 points every week. He's not going to average 114 points all year. And there's also going to be a new flavour of the week in the next week or two, which everyone is going to gravitate towards and want to buy as well. And one of those people might actually be your boy at the Broncos, Anthony Milford. So... Let's talk a little bit about Milf. Um, I've had him from the start, and you have as well. I know we were both pretty big on him. We we're both sort of discounting the first couple of weeks too because we knew it would be tough. He's going into a Sun a Suncorp game this week against the Gold Coast Titans that Gareth would have just put 173 points on. He is almost a full $200,000 less than what Gareth Widdop is as an option. Yep. And his break even seventy five this week, so it's not super high. Like if people are thinking of waiting till he's cheaper, yeah, he should go. He'd probably go up. Yeah, personally, if I had Nathan Cleary or you know Mitchell Moses or something like that, someone you're definitely going to have to trade out. I would be looking more like at likely to look at Milford just because of the fact that he's that much cheaper. You know, I could put a hundred and how much? It'll be like a hundred and eighty grand, basically extra coin that you could put towards upgrading Latu to Murray. <laughs> I, could, I could do that. And then I'd have two perfectly serviceable players. Milford's still a captaincy option. And, and Murray's a, a far better reserve than uh, I see people still trotting out Cardi and uh, Robbie Rocco and, and guys like that in their 17. So, you know, I'd much rather have Milford and Murray running around for my 17 than Widdop and Rocco. Yeah, for sure. And, I mean, Widdop's actually quietly had some pretty decent base still. I mean, the last couple of weeks, 28-27. Yeah, Milford. 28-27 the last couple of weeks. In games that he hasn't had much dominance in, he's tried hard, but it just hasn't really come off a super coach. You know, scoring 57 in round two and 50 against the Tigers, you know, he could do a lot worse than that. And he's going to hit the attack soon. So I really like him this week. I think he's a genuine captain choice as well against the Gold Coast Titans. And I would not be surprised at all if after this week, um, all the Gareth Widdop trade-in talk is going to just switch over. Everyone's going to forget about Gareth and everybody's going to be saying, oh man, Milford scored 150 points against the Gold Coast. I need to get him into my team. Um, I can see that happening. Yeah, look, it's 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 what ha- always happens. You know, people, probably some people traded uh, DC in, DCE in last week instead of Widdop on the back of... DC is 136 the week before or whatever. Milford just scored 50 with no tries being scored by the Broncos. So no attacking stats, literally. The week before, he scored 57. He did have a line break in there, but 47 from base and all the other general stats that he normally gets, like tackle bus, offloads. And what I like is that Milford is starting to show a kicking game. Like He clearly has a better kicking game than Cody Nicarima, and I think that's starting to show... And he's getting more of those kicks uh, on the fifth tackle. But like it's it's still not great. <laughs> it's it's not Thurston or Cronk or anything like that. But it's a lot better than people get, are giving him credit for. 
and I'm trying not to sound biased because he's he's <laughs> my boy and 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 he's he, uh, I'm I'm a loyal Broncos fan, but like genuinely he he put in some really nice kicks, found the corners, pinned the Tigers down in the end goal last week from from his kicking. So there's going to be some forced dropouts. I like that he was looking at running as well. He seemed to look to run a lot more. Um, the last, well, pretty much since after round one, he seemed to look to run a lot more and take the, the line on, which is good to see. Yeah, so r- round one, he, he only made four runs. Round two, he made 10. And the round just passed, he made 11. So he's definitely run the ball a lot more. And with that, obviously, comes to tackle buzz, comes to offloads that he gets when he's in space and, and all of that. So, yeah, look, I think he's he's definitely building. And I wouldn't, like you said, I wouldn't be surprised if he if he bursts out this week and I've already got the captain's armband on him and, and I, I won't be moving it barring some, you know, downpour of, of you know, wet weather um, over the weekend or whatever. And he averages about 80 or something at Suncorp as well, doesn't he? So, I mean, that's something else. Um, the, the two games after that are interesting too because they do play away the Broncos, but it's against Newcastle and also the Warriors, both of which can leak some points and... Uh, decent matchups for Milford too. So he actually has three weeks looking good. So I see him as a great different option to to try and gut your team to get with it. The other one uh, that you actually briefly mentioned that I'll toss in there is a guy that I actually looked at bringing in for Connor Watson myself, which is DCE. So he obviously had that fantastic round two score of 133 points, as you mentioned. And this, the game's either side of that in round one and round three. He has only been, you know, low 40s. So... He's interesting. He's got the goal kicking, obviously, and has some decent matchups coming up himself. So he's definitely another option, Wilfred, to maybe go instead of Widdop, or do you not like DCE as much? I was actually pretty keen on him in the preseason, but for the fact that JT was cheaper. Yep. Once I that he was going to get the goal kicking, I thought, do you see, of all the halves, he actually had one of the higher floors going around for a non-kicking half. Throwing the goal kicking now, and, you know, 40 is probably his base even when he doesn't get to do much. So he he's now definitely the on-ball playmaker. So he's touching the ball a lot. means he's, you know, when he's not playing well, he drops the ball a lot. So he, he does, in, in his 240s games, he's had almost 10 points in negative stats. So that could easily be a 50 if he has a, you know, a better game and isn't losing as many points in, in, in errors and, and whatnot. So, you know, 40-50 for a half, even, you know, not getting many attacking stats or, or no attacking stats at all in those games. Um, look, I can't really complain about that. Um, you know, he's only 577,000 or thereabouts. Um, you know, his break-even is 19 this week. And obviously, once his 133 rolls out of his average, he's going to drop. But, you know, he doesn't have a bad draw either. I mean, we talked a lot about uh, early on about how, how kind the manly draw draw is. I mean... Yeah, they got the Raiders this week, but then Titans, um, Tigers, obviously, it's not quite as easy as it used to be, but the Eels could end up being an easy game, and then there's the Knights at Brookie um, after that. So, you know, it's it's a pretty kind month coming up, to be honest, and the only hesitation I really have now is the whole salary cap, you know, scandal that's broken out now. They've had the fines applied and all that kind of stuff, so you kind of wonder if that's Possibly, you know, it could go two ways. Either one, the, the players are going to be in a better mindset now that you know it's you know it's all de- dealt with for the time being, 
or it could play on their minds because, you know, they're probably wondering what's going to go on, whether, you know, then maybe they're thinking about if they're going to get offloaded so they can slip under the cap. Because I think they have to shed a couple of players to be able to get, you know, under the 600,000 punishment that they have to play with for the next year, two years or something like that. I don't actually think they do. It's, it's actually the 600 and something is, I think it's 660 and it's split over the two years. So it's only 300 and 330k per year that they have to be under. And they're already under. That's that's the silly thing with the, the merely salary cap stuff. They were they were apparently already under the cap, even though they were cheating. So they didn't actually need to cheat to be under the cap, but they did it anyway just so they had the room, is the story that NRL 360 was saying. So I think they're actually already under. Um, the penalty is just 330k that they can't spend each year. So it's more about the future signings and stuff. So... It's not really going to affect the group, I don't think. But his his draw is the reason why he's probably going to be a trade in for me this week. Because um, I'm looking at it and I'm licking my lips, thinking, "Wow, I could get Milford just absolutely tailing up the Titans this week, and then next week I can get DCE tailing up the Titans, and that could be great." So I'm um, I'm looking at stacking the halves with a, a third gun half for Watson and going DCE at the moment. That's what I'm leaning towards because Canberra could give up a lot of points as well. Um, and the Tigers by round six might start giving up more. As you mentioned, the Eels after that and the Knights. Um, and if DCE isn't in the Origin team, he'll be playing round 13 as well. But the question I did have about him that I'll raise with you, because I haven't seen much about it, Dylan Walker, when he comes back, is there a chance that he might take back the goal kicking, do you think? Or do you reckon DCE's locked it down? I think the the what was written in the preseason articles was that he was going to be kicking for the year. So I think it actually said that once Dylan was back, he might like he's probably going to keep kicking anyway. So that, I think that's a great sign. The actual, you know, the the added thing is Dylan Walker is a pretty crap kicker. He kicked at sixty something percent for for last year. Whereas DCE is actually, um, think he obviously hasn't had as many kicks in the last two years, but he's uh, I looked at it before. He's something like twenty one out of twenty eight, something like that, up until one or two weeks ago. So. He's actually a, a lot more accurate than Walker was, so I wouldn't be surprised if he's just going to keep it and you know keep practicing and get better as well. Great, I'm sold. I'm buying him, so that's good for me. Um, <laughs> so DCE and Mill for both, I think, great options as far as alternates that are a couple hundred grand cheaper almost uh, to doing Widdop that might actually go on a similar sort of run the next few weeks. A couple other, even if he doesn't, even, sorry to cut in. I think even if they don't, if they're scoring, let's say. You know, 10, 15, within 10, 15 points of Widdop. The points per dollar. Like they're still going to be, gonna be better, yeah. better points. Like they're going to be better value than buying Widdop at his current price. Yeah. So I think as long as you're using the rest of the money wisely, I think, you know, you're, you're most likely going to come out ahead if you go with the cheaper option than going with Widdop right now. I definitely agree. So I've already got Milford and I'm looking forward to having DC. And I even got carried away myself with all the the Widdop score and everything, but um, especially when I saw a couple who were captain him, I, I really wanted him in my team. But um, yeah, I've... It's nice looking at 350 and as your captain, uh, right? Well, especially when like a lot of us, I started off and had probably, you know, seven players to try and get to 350 or something like that. It was, uh, it was a pretty tough week. So yeah. Well, my captain scored 40 all up. My so. captain was Milford <laughs> on, and he scored 50 and that was the best captain's choice I've made in the first three rounds. So... That's where I'm at on my captaincy. But let's move on to another couple halves options instead of Widdop that 
aren't going to necessarily rattle off the type of weeks that um, DCE and Milford will, but a very under-the-radar pod, guys, nonetheless. The first one is uh, Kiri at the Roosters. He's only played two games, so he hasn't had any rises yet. So Luke Kiri is really interesting because he's starting price of 521000 which a lot of people thought was expensive for him. But in the last two weeks, he came back in round two from his jaw injury and scored 72 points. And then he backed it up with a clinic of a game against Mitchell Pearce and the Newcastle Knights with 97 points. Each of these games, he's absolutely carved it up and he's looked really comfortable working with Kronk as well. And I don't think it's any coincidence either that guys like Latrell Mitchell have looked a bit better from round one when Curie's come back in the side, running the attack down that way. And they've got the Warriors this week with a uh, low BE, barely in the positive. I dare say um, Luke Curie's a... Definitely a trading this week if you want him because he could go up a lot of coin. But he's also someone that's barely owned. So he's a real good pot option, Wilfred, um, for a Rooster side that also has a good draw. Yeah, absolutely. He's actually uh, negative two, his break even. Uh, it's only, yeah, only in 2% of teams. Now, I couldn't blame people going with Kiri as well over, you know, the likes of Milford or, or DC or, or Widdop, you know. Uh, I think he could very well, you know, play. I mean, he had a pretty good year. Um, I think he averaged 59 or, or 60 last year playing beside Pierce. Um, you know, from what we've seen so far, he's already looking like he's clicking with Kronk. And with all respect to, to Pierce, uh, Kronk is a better halfback. And, and this could be really good for Kiri. So, well, I think that the team's, I think the team's better as well. Like, it's, um, it's not just, and you know that I'm a big Pierce fan, so I'll let that one go through to the keeper. I won't, I won't comment on that bit, but... Uh, I think that I think that the whole team's a lot better. Um, you know, having Tedesco at the back is just another attacking weapon. Latrell a year on is a lot better. Virgo's playing out of his skin for a contract, and they are kind of playing a little bit on each side as well. They're not just sticking, um, which is what I like, and that's what Pierce did with Curie as well. They didn't just stick to their side. Occasionally, they would um, slide across and do a bit of attack on the other side and stuff. So I think that the whole team's, um, as far as the back line, it's a lot more potent, which is only going to help him as well. Yeah, absolutely. I agree. I think Kiri's uh, definitely worth a look. I guess the, the thing that does scare me off with Kiri is that he doesn't have the best base. And, you know, what the, that's nothing new. So you're counting on bulk attacking stats. He scored a try, two try, two try assists, um, a line break assist, you know, all of that. Uh, sorry, two line break assists both weeks so far and a line break. And he still hasn't break broken you know a ton because he doesn't have the goal kicking he doesn't have the high base stats uh, so that's that's the reason why he doesn't have a higher ceiling but ultimately yeah he's a notorious base guy of around 17 18 points in base which isn't great so yeah that's definitely gonna be his downfall yeah so you're counting on the easy draw which he, he does have so yeah look i definitely think he's worth ha- having a think about he's just certainly looked good on the field since he's been back so I couldn't blame anybody who who took who would take a punt on Kiri uh, this week. Yeah, so he's a really interesting one, and I definitely if um I think if you've got the sort of team which has a lot of highly owned guys and you went with the crowd, I would be edging towards a Kiri type trading. Um, I traded Ferguson in last week for that reason. I the pods that I did have didn't work out the first couple of weeks. Joe Tappany from the Raiders got injured and he was my, you know, Ford pod and I had to get rid of him. BJ's fat and lazy still, so he's not doing anything for me. Uh, oh, Papali's also still fat, apparently, and lazy, so Papali hasn't done anything for me. So my 
my pod guys haven't really fired and I've either had to move them on or, or look at sort of rotating some different pods in because I don't want the same team as, you know, a lot of the guys. And Fergo was one that I traded in last week to try and do that at only 2% ownership. If you're in a similar position this week, I think that um, Kiri would be a great a great trade-in to um, get a pod into your team if you don't really have any. Yep, I agree. So um, let's talk about another guy that's going to be a good pod too. A little bit riskier, I would think, but another dual player in Mbai who had a massive week in round three, really busted out. Looks like that the fullback roles really helped his super coach performance, Wilfred. Yeah, look, I think he's found his position finally. He looks really good on the field. Like better than I, I always thought he was a good runner, but he looks even better than I expected um, at the back. He looks really comfortable. So they've had, you know, they started off with, you know, the two worst teams, you know, Storm and and, and the Roosters. So that the fact that he didn't didn't score well in those weeks. You couldn't blame him for, um, but then chances and he exploded. Yeah, it was really, it was really great to watch. He played a really great fullback role for his 115 points, and with the goal kicking as well, it's an added bonus. Um, I, it's a little bit rich for my blood. I have spoken to you before um, that I started him at hooker before Supercoach opened officially, where you could sort of build your team before it got wiped, and he was a hooker. And I was like really excited to be able to put a starting fullback that was a goal kicker in at hooker. And he was there with Damien Cook for me the whole time. And then obviously when Supercoach opened, he lost his hooker position and became dual halfback fullback. So I couldn't have him. And I probably still can't, but, you know, he's definitely one to keep an eye on. Interesting one because the dogs did look a lot better in attack the last week. Um, Maybe Marshall King makes a difference for them. But, yeah, I'm probably going to keep off, but um, he's one to keep your eye on. So we might... Yeah, he, he does have a little bit of a tough run, well, in the fact that the next three weeks they're all playing away. So, uh, obviously, yeah. you know, against South, it's not really a, an away game since they share the same home ground. <laughs> but um, Raiders and then Townsville. So, you know, that's not the easiest of road trips that he's got to make too. So that's something to keep in mind. Yeah, they got the Roosters after that Townsville game too, and the Roosters um, kind of carved them up in round two. So they're not looking great after the next two weeks. So I'm probably staying away. They also... At this point of the season, uh, even though like going into round four seems really early on, I don't know about you, but I do start to look towards um, the round 13 buy because I don't want to be caught off guard, and particularly because I haven't started well. I need to make sure that I'm hitting that buy okay. And he doesn't he doesn't play round 13, whereas a couple of those other options in um, DCE and Kiri as well do play round 13. So if those guys aren't in origin, they're at least going to play round 13. Um, and buy actually isn't. So that's just something else to keep in mind, I guess. Yeah, so we might segue on to ourselves now. And obviously the first few guys have been injured. So when guys have been hurt and they're out for three, four weeks plus, it's an easy sell. And headlining that one's going to be Connor Watson. He's a definite sell. I don't think anyone would would be holding him. I guess as far as upgrades go, I would be looking at the Widdop alternatives that we spoke about. I would be trying to move Watson on to one of those guys and doing a second trade to one of the cheapies we spoke about to try and free up the cash. And I think that's what probably most people are doing with a, a Watson or even a Cleary who's also hurt. Yep, yep, I totally agree. I think Watson, I mean, you've got to sell him. You've just got to work out who you're going to sell him for. So obviously Marshall King we talked about is, is a good option. If you've got the right jewels, you can find a way to get him to Dewey. Yeah, look, an alternative of you if you've got a bit of coin in the bank, Turning him into like an buyer or 
or you know one of the other hards we talked about certainly would be an option too. Yep. So Watson and Cleary, there's a lot of good upgrade options. Oh well, but Cleary's not really an upgrade, but maybe sideways options now that he's hurt. Another guy that's hurt two to four weeks, Jared Hayne. Um, I, I thought Jared Hayne was a sell last week, to be honest. But if you didn't sell him last week and you wanted to wait and see what he looked like at fullback, he wasn't looking great at fullback anyway, I don't think. And I just think at this point, two to four weeks, I don't think anyone can really hold Hayne in their team, Wilfred. You've got to get rid of him, right? Yeah, and plus he's got a single-digit score in his uh, rolling average. So even when he comes back, you, that'll give you you know two weeks to have a look at, uh, he'll probably lose a bit of coin and then you get two weeks to have a bit of a look before you decide if you want to jump on and, and go for a ride on the hand plane again. <laughs> I hear they stopped selling tickets to that one, so I'm not sure. <laughs> thought they had too many tickets. <laughs> too many, too well. <laughs> Couldn't get rid of them. No. If they had too many tickets, not enough people listen to the podcast because um, he wasn't a, he wasn't <laughs> a plane that I was going to be boarding. Not, not, not at no. all. Uh, I actually think that he'll probably end up in French rugby next year, to be frank. I think he's played himself out of a big money deal in the NRL, and uh, I just don't see anyone else offering him anywhere near the money that he's going to expect. So I wouldn't be surprised. A little bit sad, but also, you know, I don't think he's really earned another deal at this point, the way he's played. But we'll move on and talk about our other cells who aren't injured. Let's talk about our gun cells, the guys who we thought we were going to bust out and, and really start well from round one and who have been tried and tested in the past but have been well below expectations. Be hard to decide with um, guns on whether you just hold them because you don't want to waste a trade on getting them back, or whether you need to cut bait. First one we've spoken about before, Wilfred, and that's uh, Tom Malolo. His minutes are ten plus minutes below what he was doing last year, and once again he didn't have a good round three. I think people probably should have sold him last week, but I don't think that you'd be recommending him to be held by anybody, would you? I don't. Yeah. Look, I mean, I was. I wrote an article telling people to, to stay away, basically, yeah. in the preseason. Um, so I, I was not keen on him from the outset. Um, you know, I, I worked out basically in the games where Cowboys didn't have injuries or other uh, issues or extra time, he was averaging about 53, 54 minutes per game. And that's what he's playing right now. So yep. uh, I definitely wasn't wasn't keen from the outset. And yeah, look, uh, if you, you know, he's already lost 42 grand. He's got to break even about 109. Look, he's probably going to, he's going to have those games where he's going to score 60, 70, still monster-based beast, but I just don't think you can trust it. Not at that price. You might as well, you know, sell. And I, I would be swapping him to Jake Turbo, for example, if I could. Oh, that's a great trade. That's a fantastic. You just think you're going to get, like, yes, you're going to have to pay a bit of coin now, but you're going to get better scores. Tamala will keep going down, you know, in the long run. I think you'll you'll be better off points wise and cash wise. Well, that's only a forty grand. Um, it's only forty grand that you can need in your bank to to do that upgrade from Tomalolo to to Gerbo. Um, the other one that's interesting as well is, um, you know, you could save fifty k and bank fifty k and go down to a Nathan Brown. Um, that's another one that I kind of like as well. But yeah, he's he scored forty four points in round three, and yeah, it was against the Storm, but like it's. 44 and 48 points the last two weeks, it's just way too low. And the thing with his 44 points is he didn't even get his um, you know, customary tackle breaks and stuff. He, he just did it with his runs and tackles, meat and potatoes. And you really don't want your Tom Alolo in your team to be a meat and potatoes purchase. You want him to be getting his TBs, maybe an offload here and there and, and all that sort of stuff. 
And I just, he doesn't have the minutes to do it, which is interesting because I didn't think that he should be a buy either. And I read your article and I thought it was really good because I was telling everyone I'd stay away. He's way overpriced and his minutes are going to go down. He's not great. But the other thing I remember from a few years ago is, you know, in 2016, that was what stood out to me. He played 52 minutes a game in 2016, but he still managed to average 65 points a game. And it was because it seemed to be when they were playing him more minutes, he was actually getting a bit gassed and he wasn't having the impact. So he wasn't hitting the TBs and stuff. And when he was playing the, the lower minutes, all of a sudden he started getting his TBs. He started to hit a bit of attack and he seemed to actually perform better. So I did have in the back of my mind that 2016 year on, you know, whether it will actually refresh him a little bit, but it really hasn't. It's like the polar opposite of his 2016 season. Yeah, look, I actually looked into that as well and it wasn't quite in my article, but I, I talked about it in the um, comments of the article. But basically, he was more effective across 2016 in terms of, even though he played less minutes, he still ran for a lot of metres. And um, in 2017, he still he ran for more, but that's because he was on the field for more. So, you know, yes, you could argue he's more effective, but he still only averaged 65 compared to a 73 or 74 average in 2017. So. Yep. At the end of the day, in Supercoach land, all accounts is what he actually outputs on the field, even if he looked better in 2016 than he did in 2017. So I think what happened with Melbourne, like he actually played 58 minutes this last week and he scored 44. What happened against the the Broncos was that Bennett had the game plan. He, he gave it to, to Vita Pangai to execute. Basically, every time he ran the ball, TPJ cut him down. Like I think there was a crazy start where of... Tumbler was 14 runs or something like that. Um, TPJ tackled him on like 11 of those when they were on the field at the same time. Yep. So clearly showed like a clear game plan there. I, I think probably a lot of teams have got a bit of a game plan like that this year too after the sort of season he had last year, I guess. Yeah, absolutely. And then Storm probably, you know, had their own way of dealing with it. So yeah, his, his output's definitely going to be impacted. And yeah, look, at the end of the day, I think he probably could end up averaging 65 come the end of the year. But right now, I think, you know, cash him in while he's still worth more than that and pick him up later when he's been underpriced. Yeah, I think you can pick him up for maybe even up to 150 grand less than what he is now. But at minimum, you're going to get him 100 grand cheaper. I'd definitely pull the pin. The other gun that is an interesting one to discuss is Jordan Rapana. So... A lot of guys are selling him. I'm I'm a very firm hold on Rapana. I can see him um, having a real Jordan Rapana game against the the Warriors this week. Um, sorry, not the Warriors this week. The um, Manly Seagulls this week. Um, I can see him doing well against Manly. I was hoping for that obviously last week against the Warriors, but he scored 24 points, which is very non Rapana like. You know, even in round one where. The Gold Coast beat the Raiders and there wasn't any attack for him. He still scored a 50 um, and then obviously scored a try in round two for his 78. So his floor was looking real good. And then he, he throws out a horrendous 24 points in round three. So 593,000 now. He's already dropped a fair bit of coin. He's got a break even in the 80s, but I think that he could actually hit that. So a lot of people selling Jordan Rapana. I'm I'm a pretty firm hold, Wilfred. Where are you at on Rapana? I won't lie, and, and I mean, I definitely did look at selling him. I mean, one of the trades I thought of it <clears throat> at the start of the year was to go from Rapana to to Robert Jennings, and then potentially have like a 
between those two, just having like a $100,000 swing in, in one week. But I thought about it some more and I just figured, you know, Rapana, he was pretty, he was literally inches from scoring two tries. I know there's the whole, you know, ifs or buts thing, but the reality is he was, you know, he scored 24, but he easily could be, could be on 90. It was literally held up inches away from the try line. So I thought about it and I thought, look, he's, He's got a pretty kind matchup. He scored 132 on them in the past. To the um, mind blank, uh, their left wing is out for six to eight weeks. Um, George Tafua, he's out. Um, yeah. We've got Matt Wright on the wing now, so I just could see him and and Kelly uh, being exposed on that right edge by BJ and Rapana. So yeah, I wouldn't be trading him out this week. Could be a big score. His break team is 88. He could easily beat that. Yeah, I, I think so as well. And I, um, one of the, I did briefly have a look at it because so many people were looking at it. And when I saw his BE, I thought, oh, it's not that bad. I was expecting it to be 100 and something. But then the big thing was, you know, I, I still didn't mind their upcoming draw that much. They've got Manly and then at home in Canberra two weeks in a row against the Bulldogs and the, the Paramount Eels isn't too bad. And then they've got South away. So their draws the next four weeks is pretty okay. And I also, again, Gold Coast Titans just stick out like a sore thumb at the moment to me on a draw. Round nine, they got the Gold Coast Titans. And I was looking at that going, you know, if I trade him just to try and save, you know, 100 grand or something right now, I'm going to have to pull my team apart like people are doing Gareth Woodup this week to try and get him into my team in a few weeks' time, maybe. And I'm probably not going to be able to do it. And I ran into this issue last year where, um, I kept putting Rapana off on buying him again, and I just I just never was able to. He just got out of hand again, um, and I missed out on so much points. So I just said to myself this year, you know, I'm just going to stick with him because I, eventually I'm just going to start missing out on points by selling him, and I just can't afford to do that in the centre wing this year because it's just a desert. So, yeah, I think he's a definite hold, and I'm not going to be surprised at all when he goes well this week. So... Let's let's move on to another back though that's a bit more interesting to talk about because I'm not too sure about holding this guy. Cameron Munster has a huge break even, and I think everyone sort of got a false sense of security in round one because he scored 101 points, but he did it at fullback. And I'm a I'm a really big fan of Cameron Munster at fullback, and I'm not much of a fan of him at 5'8". The next two games, he obviously went back to 5'8", and he scored 25 points and 40 points. And as a result, he's got to be well over 100 points and he's going to leak some cash after this week again. If I had Cameron Munster, I think I would be selling. And that's only because as well as his big BE, he's also in a position where there's so many great options, a lot of them that were spoken about in the halves, but also at fullback, there's just as many great options that you can't fit in. So I would hate to not have, you know, a Tommy Turbo or a, or a Ponga, or in the halves, you know, Milf or DCE and these guys. I'd hate to miss out on those guys just because they helped Cameron Munster and copped a few, you know, really poor scores coming up. So that's where I'm at. You might disagree as a Queenslander, Wilfred, on holding him. No, I'm, I'm with you on that. Uh, he's got a tough matchup against the Sharks this week as well. Last year, he scored 31 playing 5-8 against them. So he's a gun at fullback because he makes so many runs. He does still have a decent base, but he hasn't quite looked the same this year. I don't know what it is. Maybe there is the the preseason chat about his off-field stuff, you know, is getting to him. Whatever it is, there's something not quite right. And I think there's, like you said, there's so many good options at fullback, so many good 5-8s. Will, Keary, Milford, 
Cody Walker. Like, there's so many good options that I think you'd take over Munster at this stage. If you missed out on JT or Sean Johnson or someone like that as well, there's, there's heaps, there's just so many. Yeah, well, I guess, I mean, with JT, at least he's halfback only. So uh, with Munster being fullback and 5'8", like, I was just comparing those names. So, yeah, SJ obviously does fit in at halfback or 5'8". So, yeah, absolutely. There's so many good options in those two positions that Munster can fit in. And I would be taking three or four names in 5'8", and three and four names in fullback ahead of Munster at the moment. Yeah, and I think the final nail in his coffin, and, and you know, some people might be saying, well, Barnsley said he's holding Rapana and he's definitely not selling him, but then he's going to sell Munster for sure. The difference is that Rapana's in centre wing and there's just nothing in centre wing at all. Like Your options in centre wing at the moment are absolute dirt and Rapana is the one beacon of light and hope that you could start one centre wing each week and be able to just leave him there and it's going to be okay. Whereas with Munster, you know, there's, there's so many better options. So that's the big difference for me. Jack DeBellin... We'll throw in here. We spoke about Gallant last week being a, a good sell based on his price and his output at the moment. JDB is an interesting one. I um I really liked owning him last year and I was really excited for this year and I almost started with him because his offload was coming out last year and I really liked that um, extra layer of attack that he was starting to work towards. Minutes haven't been there this year, but, but on the weekend he did have, I think, 64 minutes, but he copped a sin bin, which wasn't great and it was also not a good game for Fords. But he's really not been performing at the moment. What would you be doing if you're a JDB owner? I'm starting to think that maybe a Cam Murray downgrade might be might be an option. Yeah, that'd be great trade. I'd be ditching him. He looks he still looks really good on the field, but he's doing the James Graham role. He's ball playing a lot. He just doesn't he doesn't need to do that much work because the dragon is rolling so well. You know, he, yeah, you're right. He played 64 minutes, and that does include he 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 was sinned in for 10 minutes, and then. He got subbed off with seven minutes to go or six minutes to go. So, you know, he, I think maybe the 55 to 65-minute range is going to be his range. But he scored, even if you take out the, you know, the the, the negate for the sin bin, you know, that's still 40 points or sub-40 that he scores in 64 minutes. The week before, 45 and 52 minutes. And, you know, yeah, big one, 79 points, but take out the line break and try and the tackle bus he got scoring it he's back to like sub 50 in in 58 minutes so the, the ppm just isn't there it's not the same game that he's playing as he as he was last year so i think he's yeah he's not as great as he looks on the field he's just not super coach um friendly at this stage the way he's playing no not at all um and i do have him on my watch list i do think that he could come good like some of these other fallen second row guns from the past he's got to show it first it's going to be a combination of the minutes and his role changing a little bit. I don't understand why he's playing a James Graham role when they actually got James Graham there. <laughs> like, why don't you just make James Graham play the James Graham role and just let JDB play the JDB role and then all super, super coaches can be happy and know what's going on. But not the way that Mary McGregor works. So let's talk about our holds. Real easy one. We already spoke about how much we like Milford. I don't think anybody should be selling him at all. But a more controversial one is Bryce Cartwright. So obviously the big news today is that he got benched. I think that he's still a hold at 286,000 unless you, you really have such a good team that you don't have any other issues like a Watson or a Cleary and, and other guys underperforming and you have to trade someone because there's a great buy that you need to make. Uh, other than that, you know, he's still got um, a break even in the teams. He's 286,000. He's going to make money at some point. I'm just going to be holding him. 
Yeah, look, I agree. It's break even 17 this week, so there's no rush to get him out. Even if he's on the bench, like he's still going to get, I would think, minimum 30, 40 minutes, if not more. Uh, it might just be that he's going to be used in a different way, perhaps more as an impact player. And look, it might free him up to do less defense and more attack. Who knows? Uh, I know Garth Brennan has copped a bit of flack for, for the way he's been coaching, but I think he's slowly getting it right. I mean, pushing James back to prop is a it's a great move this week, and, and, and I think that's going to really help the Titans um, to an extent. I still think the Broncos are going to flog them, but it, it could be better than last week. Let's just put it that way. <laughs> yeah, so I think we both agree Bryce is definitely a hold at the moment. And the final one I had on my hold list was um, Tavita Pengai Jr., most purchased player last week, and the super coach gods can be cruel. He was obviously... Got a really poor score of uh, 29, I think it was, um, and has strained his hamstring. Um, two to four weeks was the initial diagnosis for him, but I did see a couple of places say it's up to two weeks' time now. So, I mean, up to two weeks' time, if that is accurate, that could mean that he's only going to miss two games. I mean, it might even mean that he's a push to even be able to come back after one missed game in two weeks' time. I'm holding him myself. I kind of understand some people jumping off, but I mean, he's he's got a low break even still. He's still got money to make. I know he's still going to have that 29 points in his rolling average for a while, but you know, if he comes back and he's got decent form still like he was showing, he could be a bit of a pod weapon because I think a lot of people are going to sell him off and you're still going to make some money out of him. Yeah, look, I think, you know, if... The difficult thing is that he has had some hamstring problems in the past. He had dealt with um, hamstring issues twice last year. So I think he, he did miss a couple of weeks and then he came back and re-injured the hamstring. So uh, I sense that the Broncos are probably going to play it safe with him because I think they Bennett knows that he needs him playing well if the, the team's going to go well this year. Um, so, that, I mean, look, I, I, get, I can understand why people are selling. At the same time, you know, like you said, they've still definitely got money to make. It might take a bit longer because he'll come back. He's got to break in with 20, but um, once the, the 71 rolls out of his average, he'll have 29 stuff there for a couple of weeks. So just looking at the projections, uh, say if he comes back, scores 35, he'll go up, you know, another 10, 12K, and then he'll have a break-even about 60 the week after that. So that could pull – he'll lose a bit of cash, but then his break-even will drop back down to, you know, 30, 40. Or so, so you know, there's it'll put a halt on his cash making for a bit, but he'll eventually get back up there, and you know he'll probably max out about you know another sixty, seventy thousand more than what he's currently sitting at. It's just going to take you know another five, six weeks or so to get there. Yeah, but the thing I like about him too is that he'll be a viable option to play in your seventeen as well potentially. So that's the big reason why I'm holding as well as the cash. So let's wrap up market watch and move on to a quick TLT. Preview for round four. The first game of the round, the North Queensland Cowboys versus the Penrith Panthers. Uh, so, Cowboys have actually named an unchanged 17 uh, with fullback Lachlan Coote a small chance of returning. Uh, I did see that I think he's been named in Queensland Cup, though, so I'm not too sure whether he's going to be back or not. Other than that, the rest has stayed the same, and probably the thing of note is that Cohen Hess has retained his starting role, which he absolutely beasted on last week. Um, so, Hess... Remaining a starter is quite interesting. He's definitely on my radar. Uh, but other than that, pretty stock standard from the Cowboys. Yeah, I mean, I know there's a lot of chat about Hess. I can see the appeal. He is an absolute beast. But, he, I mean, we looked at 
the stats and then I know a couple of people have written about it, but he played nine games of about 70 plus minutes last year, average 56. So it's not like he hasn't had those bigger games. And his, the fact is his, his base is not very good. No, he, he had, you know, he had four games where last year where he didn't have the big attacking stats and he, I think it was like 37, 40, 40, 43. Like that's what you're looking at when he doesn't score the tries or, or bust the line and, and things like that. So, um, as, as as appealing as it is that he's got going to have the bigger minutes there, you know you're really counting on you know you need to be satisfied that he's probably going to get get some uh, attacking stats in there as well. Uh, another thing to consider is that there was a HIA for um, Jarvid Bowen last week, so he spent 50 minutes off the field. So I don't know whether whether Hess was actually on the field for a bit longer as a result of that. Maybe he wasn't going to get 80. Yeah, I think he was already going to play the big minutes anyway. But yeah, he's um he's probably. Uh... He's probably a wait and see and use for the draw. Um, but this week against the Panthers, the Panthers' big news is that they've got uh, Tyrone Peachy replacing Nathan Cleary in the halves with uh, Maloney moving the halfback. So there is potential playing up in North Queensland that the, the Penrith Panthers might get towed up a little bit. And then Cohen, yeah, that's why um, the change of the well, Cohen has starting still is a bit of a factor for me looking at this week. Other than that, he's, yeah, yeah, it's not that cheap either. Though. No, he's not. But other than Maloney shifting to halfback and Peachy um, starting, they do have Jerome Louis, and I hope I pronounced that correctly, joining the bench. So it looks like that there could be some sort of shifty late change of, of him starting and Peach going to the bench because he is pretty sure he's a half. Yep. Yeah. Yep. He also did, he's a pretty big half from, from memory, and we know Peach isn't that big. Like there's, there's there's been a fair bit of hype about Louis, Louis, whatever however you pronounce it, but yeah, like he he's a bit um bit more solid I think than than Peachy is. Yeah, so he's going to be a great watch um, for this week for round four, and then if he's looking good, he could have like yeah, ten weeks of relevance, which would be nice. So that's the other reason why maybe you're holding off on if you're not sure about your trade this week for Watson even. If you saw, yeah, the other thing is Ty- Tyrone Mays um, apparently only three three weeks away or something like that as well. Uh, Tyrone Mays coming back. That's um that's what I forgot about. That's a good point. So we'll probably see him in TLT in a couple of weeks' time anyway. So it's probably going to be a bit irrelevant for Jerome Louis. It's just hard because obviously he's coming back from an ACL, and we know you know players aren't always going to be themselves straight away. So it's so much up in the air, and the added factor of Cook being the coach of the Panthers <laughs> and if it just, uh, just really unappealing. <laughs> uh, yeah, no, I agree. And I, I'm i going to end on the Panthers by saying take the Cowboys 13 plus this week on Sportsbet. I reckon that's going to be happening. VC for Jonathan Thurston for me. Well, the Cowboys have lost two in a row, so yeah, I can I can see why you... Yeah. Up there, they're going to bounce back, I'm pretty sure, and um, the Panthers might struggle a little. So South Sydney Rabbitohs versus the Canterbury Bulldogs we've got on uh, our Good Friday game. The changes for South Sydney, there are none. They've still got the same side, but on the opposite end, we've got the Bulldogs that are equally uninspiring or exciting with no changes as well. So everyone's remain the same for this particular matchup, so we don't really need to spend much time on it. We already mentioned Adam Dewey retaining that um, number seven jersey, and we don't have Adam Reynolds um, in the extended bench, so it was confirmed that he's not going to be coming back this week at least, so that's probably the only real relevant one there, so we'll probably move on from that game and 
just quickly have a look at the Sharks and Storm. This one, there was quite a few changes, Wilfred. So with the Sharks, Matt Moylan is coming back for this game, returning at 5'8". Trent Hodkinson drops out of the side into jump in 19. And Luke Lewis comes back um, to play his first game of the year, replacing Jason Bakuya, who's done his groin, and he's out for around about a month, I believe. So a couple of changes there for the Sharks. Jesse Ramian retains his centre spot as well, which is interesting. So there's a few interesting changes there for the Sharkies, Wilfred. Yeah, look, I I think um, they definitely look like a better team with those changes. I really don't like Matt Moreland as a six. That's that's my issue. Um, I mean, I don't rate him in much as a fullback either. I think he's not very good in defence. But, you know, we, we, we know he's got really good ball-playing skills for for what he is, and, and that's obviously his strength. So I don't know if, like, the Sharks are going to change things up by, you know, perhaps rotating... Um, let's say Dugan, you know, taking the kick returns, and perhaps when they get in the the Storm twenty or opposition twenty meters zone, they might actually have Moylan wrapping around um, playing the ball, playing fullback role. Like to me, that seems like a probably a, a better better option. But you know, who knows what Flano's going to do? I don't think anyone knows what Flano's going to do. But um, it's a, it is a shame a little bit for Jason Bakuya because he was actually playing some pretty good football. Him going out's going to be a little bit of a loss for them. But uh, if Lewis is fit. That'll be fine. For the Storm, we've got a couple of um, key changes. Kenny Bromwich returns on the bench in place of Brandon Smith. That's a big one because one of the guys we didn't talk about in Market Watch was Joe Stimson. And a few people have been talking about him, but I think most savvy coaches see him as the trap that he is. Um, Kenny Bromwich on the bench, he's going to take some minutes away, just the fact that Brandon Smith isn't there as well. So that's a pretty big change. Also got Kafusi in jumper 19, who's been hanging around as well. So a couple of changes there for the Storm that could mean a little bit of a shuffle for that forward pack. That, I'm sorry, let's just jump in. That, that Kafusi is Patrick. That's the brother. That's the prop. Ah, Not, um, Felice. right. The... So Felice is still gone. Yeah. So they signed um, Patrick from the Cowboys last, who, who, was, who was starting prop for a while last year. Oh, yeah. Yeah. So, um, look, Brandon Smith only played nine minutes last week. So he was actually playing most of the uh, at lock, and I think in one set of six he made he ran the ball three times, so he really <laughs> got stuck in. Um, it was pretty. It was actually really good to watch. It was great to see, and and then Smith went off for two minutes at the end, so <laughs> the other Smith got to play a couple of minutes at hook. <laughs> yeah, look, I think that's definitely relevant. Joe Stimson is a trap. I just can't see him. I mean, he was only playing for 65 minutes already. He may still keep that up if Kenny Bromwich plays a bit more middle because Jesse Bromwich actually played 58 minutes last week, surprisingly. Sounds great, but he didn't score very well. He still scored 44 or whatever. Same as the week before, even though he paid an extra six minutes. So let's not talk about Jay Brom. It makes me sad. Uh, let's, not, <laughs> let's not talk about any Brom. Let's just move on because I, I don't think any of the Broms are any good anymore. Um, the Roosters versus New Zealand. Oh, they're good. They're good on the field. <laughs> well... Yes, okay. For super coach purposes, the Broms are bums. Yeah, I agree with that. Sydney Roosters versus New Zealand Warriors. I'm looking forward to this one at Allianz Stadium. So the Roosters have got absolutely no changes and they shouldn't have any late changes, which means Jared Warrior Hargraves remains on the bench and Reese Robinson retains his number two jersey. He took from Tupo's injury last week. They um, are looking solid again, and I'm really looking forward to them carving up the Warriors, Wilfred. You reckon it's going to be a carve-up? I reckon it's going to be a carve-up. I reckon this is going to be the coming-back-to-earth New Zealand Warriors that we all know and love. 
<laughs> Look, I think I think you know the Roosters will win. I don't know if it's going to be Carver. I think it's going to be Carter for most of the game. I'll be really interested to see the last twenty minutes, see whether the Warriors are become the Warriors of old and collapse in a heap, or whether we're going to see the Warriors as they've been for the last three weeks and literally playing the full eighty minutes. Collapse in a heap is my call. Let's have a look at the Warriors team real quick. Um, so the big one here is Ignatius Parsi is starting in the number ten jersey. And Liggy Sauer remains on the bench, which was a change that happened last week as well. So that was one that hurt quite a few people. And Adam Blair actually goes to the number 13 spot. So Parsi came in late as a late change to bring Sauer out. It started at 13 last week. This week, Sauer's on the bench. Blair's got the 13 jumper, but Parsi pushes up to prop. And that's the only real relevant change aside from... Uh, Tavita Sate replacing the suspended Sam Lasoni on the bench. So Parsi was a guy I was actually interested in in preseason, Wilfred, but um, obviously got injured and stuff. So I'll be you know, watching reasonably close to see, but I think Sao's probably the big loser now that we see that he's definitely on the bench. Yeah, it was interesting last week because um, Parsi, even though he started at lock, he only played 19 minutes. And then he, he went off and then didn't come back. And then Jazz, Jazz Tavanga had a really good game playing lock most of the game. And then Isaac Luke, actually played full Eddie at hooker. So it was interesting to see. I was surprised because I thought Tavano was going to be the, the backup hooker and, you know, the guy who could also fill in at, at 13. But he, he just, you know, he basically went on for um, Parsi and played the rest of the game there. Yeah, I think that it was, um, I think that Parsi was just limited minutes because it was his first game back. and Yeah, that's fair. He's just, He's that sort of player where he needs to build up his match fitness. So I reckon that he was just limited minutes because, I mean, ideally when you do that, you play 19 minutes and then maybe a second stint of 15 minutes or something. But, you know, I think that probably happened this week against the Roosters, which spells, you know, even more danger for the Sal owners, I guess. Well, yeah, Sal only played like 16 minutes, something like that. So he got saved by a, a lucky offload that led to a try system. Oh, yeah. Assist, I forgot about that, as we mentioned. I think every Sal owner that I know all rejoiced, either on social media, text message, however they could. Yeah, exactly, when you got the update. <laughs> so and then we got the Manly Seagulls playing the Canberra Raiders on Saturday at Lotto Land, or as we should be calling it, Brookvale. I still can't call it Lotto Land. We've got Matthew Wright replacing George Tafua is a big one, and one that you pointed out, Wilfred, could be really good for... Rapana. Tafua's, uh, I believe, got a broken collarbone, so eight weeks he's out for. So that's a pretty big change because he actually started pretty well, but old Georgie always gets injured, so it was expected. The bench makeup has uh, stayed solidly the same. So Lewis Brown and Frank Winterstein have remained on the extended bench, which is good to point out because uh, Lloyd Perrett and Kalifi Tanganoa seem to have really cemented that um, 16 and 17 jumper after Brown and we just on with there in, um, in round one. So that's probably it for Manly. The rest of it's pretty straightforward. I think that they could put on some pretty good points this week. Yeah, look, I mean, the thing with the Raiders is you just never know what you're going to get, except they're going to score some points. They usually go on a, a nice start and then they fade. Yeah, and looking at the side, um, you know, Ricky's tried to make some changes. Um, so the big one is that Blake Austin's been dropped and Ada Hingano from the Warriors, um, who was signed this year, has come on in the number 14 jumper. Who knows what type of role he's going to play. I think that 
Caesar or Williams, one of the two, actually had a bit of a niggle where there was talk that there was a chance that one of them might pull out and Ngano will, will start. Joseph Tappany is in jumper number 17. I started with him and he was a really good buy, so I kind of wish that I held him just to have him now, but he's back at least. And other than that, though, everything else remains the same with the exception of uh, Liam Knight, who's come onto the extended bench. And there was a little bit of talk around the traps that he might actually get some game time and get pushed into the side. So I don't think that uh, Canberra's changes are going to really amount to much, though, Wilfred. It's still still the same sticky team that I, I saw in the first few weeks, I think. Yeah, I think Hingano actually played, I think, sometime last year. He was playing the utility role and actually coming on and playing some bench hooker for Luke. So it, it'll be interesting to see what they do because last week they had Austin come off the bench and play in the halves and Caesar played hooker. This is weird. Yeah, it's a silly rotation. But the other thing with this week's lineup that's interesting to me is um, I am a Saliva Havili owner and Havili has been quietly making some decent money and scoring some tries, so he's remained relevant. And Ingano in might actually mean that Havili gets more minutes than what he has been. Well, I don't know, because last yeah, like I said, he's still only getting 30... Like, last week he got 27 minutes, and then Caesar played the remaining 53 at hooker Yeah, when Austin came on. So, you know, what's the difference here? Ingano could go to half and Caesar could play hooker. I just, I just don't know. I just didn't. Uh, Who knows what I, I don't know either. You're right. I, I guess I was just hoping. You're just praying. Yeah, I. You're just praying and hoping for a minute. I am praying. <laughs> I'm praying that Ingano, that Caesar is just going to get left in the halves, and like Ricky see that that's a stupid rotation, and that way Ingano will come on and play. You know, twenty to twenty-five at hooker, and somehow Havili doubles his minutes. <laughs> that, that that is the ultimate hope of this. This round, looking at the um, the Raiders' new team sheet, but yeah, I don't know. Yeah, look, I mean, all I can say is he really would have scored seventeen last week if he didn't get his line break try. <laughs> but I've only got to hold on for another two or three weeks, well, for us severely owners. We've only got to hold on for another couple of weeks, and he's going to make really good money. So it's all right. But then, what are you going to do with him? <laughs> I've got no. How are you going to get rid of him? Oh, I've got no idea. I'll I'll probably have to bite the bullet and sell another gun and try and get Cameron Smith. Since I don't have him. Well, Smith's gone down in price, so maybe you get lucky. Yeah, hoping for that as well. So the St. George Illawarra Dragons versus Newcastle Knights on the Sunday game. The Dragons, as you would expect, are unchanged after their demolition of the Gold Coast Titans. So got the same team running out against Newcastle Knights. Um, I don't think they're going to have as much joy against the Knights, but they still could have a pretty good game. The Knights, on the other hand have the big change of Brock Lamb replacing Connor Watson for probably the next three months and Highington returning to the bench after he withdrew late from the side last week. So the Watson-Brock Lamb one's a pretty big change. And it's actually not one that we that we spoke about, but one of the things when I was going through the, the TLT was Brock Lamb at the moment, oh, I expected him to have, yeah, he's got a 90 BE. I expected him to have a lot bigger BE than that, so... I was sort of wondering if he was going to be a sneaky option looking at the team list, but he's not going to be. Well, he already lost 80 grand last week, so I can see that's why he's probably still not, um, you know, only, only 340,000. So if, you know, they get flogged again, he could drop another, another 30, 40 grand and he'll be potentially under 300 grand. So he's pretty cheap once you look at it that way. And he's probably going to get the goal kicking from Ponga, 
which kind of sucks for Pong owners, but we'll see. Yeah, Brock Brock Lamb's a bit of a sharp shooter, and, and Ponga, he's doing pretty well, but he's definitely not in the same. He missed a really bad one on the, the weekend. Really bad one. Yeah. Did he? Because I don't think he had any negative points. I thought that he did. I thought that he missed one that was a, yeah. No, you're right. Yes, yes, he did. He did miss. He missed a penalty. Yeah, it was a it was a, a penalty that was a sitter, and I remember because Blake Ferguson got pinged for an incorrect play of the ball 30 out from his line. It was just one of those crackdown penalties, and I was like, oh, no, here it comes. We're going to get... They're going to get ten points in penalties, and um, it was right in front, and he hooked it to the to um, the left, and it missed, and it was a sitter. So, yeah, he's maybe um, Brock Lamb does take the kicking, which is a bit of a bummer, but should be a pretty good game. But the next one is uh, one that I'm looking forward to a hell of a lot more: Brisbane Broncos versus the Gold Coast Titans, SunCorp Stadium, Anthony Milford. That's going to be great, like we spoke about. But other than that, the big ones that Corey Oates is out with his hip and Tavita Pangai Jr. is out with his hamstring. So we've got Jonas Pearson coming onto the wing and Corbin Sims starting and Jaden Sewer joining the bench. So probably one of the best changes. I think that you as a Broncos fan would probably prefer Oates and TPJ ahead of those guys coming in. Oh, look, Jonas Pearson's not my favourite player. Let's just put it that way. <laughs> I'd rather Opacic on the week on the wing and that's saying something because I don't like Opacic either <laughs> I'd much rather see Shibasaki give this crack um, even if he's just on the bench or something than have Pearson and Opacic running out they're just they're just not very good you know no I agree mate it's um it's not that but yeah look, overall the, the team should still be good enough I mean yes losing TPJ hurts the middles but you know the Titans aren't exactly you know the world's biggest pack either I mean, Wallace, James, Arrow is a much better middle three. But when you got, you know, Max King, Bryce Cartwright and Leilani Latu on the bench, and, and Mitch Rain, obviously, it's not exactly like a, an all-star bench replacing these guys. So, yeah, I think the, the Broncos should be able to handle them quite easily. Yeah, and I mean, look, the um, the changes have come thick and fast for the Titans. They've obviously dropped Bryce Cartwright down to the bench, like we mentioned, which is a big one. Put Will Matthews in starting in the back row. Joy Arrow shifting to lock and Ryan James moving to prop. I thought that Ryan James would eventually move to prop anyway. I think they're better like that. So that makes sense. Um, Hipgrave got suspended for a match and Max King's on the bench and Morgan Boyle drops out of the 17. So quite a few changes all through the pack there. I don't really... I think Ryan James one will help him against the Broncos. I don't think um, Cartwright off the bench is going to do much for them, considering that Will Smith, Will Matthews is uh, starting in the back row, though. I wouldn't be surprised if there's a late swap, to be honest. Cardi on the edge and Will Matthews back to the bench. But who knows with Brennan? Yeah, I think he's panicking a bit at the moment with his changes and um, the way they've started. It's one of those funny things where they're going to get towed up this week and they're going to panic even more. Well, I don't know. I think Arrow to lock is a great move. Like he showed how good he was in round two, and I think you know that they were still. I mean, it was the Warriors, but the Warriors are playing pretty well, and I think overall they're gonna they're gonna be better in the middle with Arrow back at lock and then James back at prop. I, I really like those two changes. Um, I just think yeah, Cardi should be on the edge. You know, that gives them a bit more attack, but maybe Brennan's scared of an all-star defensive combo of LG and Cartwright running together. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Can't even get it out. That's that's hilarious. That would be awesome. <laughs> uh, it just, I don't want to think about it anymore. Let's, let's move on. 
Yeah, I'd bring it Lee later. So then the final game we've got on the Monday night, being the Easter weekend, is the West Tigers versus Parramatta Eagles. So the Battle of the West, we've got the Tigers naming the same 17 uh, that went right down to the wire with Brisbane, except for Peter Godinay starting at hooker rather than coming off the bench. Other than that, it's all the same. Uh, Tui Lola here, he's in jumper 21, which is interesting. He's um, been out injured. So it'd be interesting if he does start to make his way back in um, because it's going to be hard to fit him with the guys that they've got there. Corey Thompson's done really well at fullback and Nofo came back in round two. Yeah, look, I agree. Um, I guess it's really hard to predict what Cleary's going to do. And the other name on the extended bench that I'm really quite keen on is Jacob Little. I think he's if he's going to be fit and ready to play, I think he's going to come into the team for... McCurick and, and that that's going to be it's going to help them because I really I like Little as a player I think he's going to make a big difference to the team and, and especially their attack which is obviously where they're struggling because right now um, their defence is, is incredible but uh, their attack is lacking yeah totally 100% agree um, and I like Little as a player as well he's I think Tigers see him as the future so he'll be starting soon enough the Eels on the other hand have definitely not retained the same 17 and made a host of changes. So Bevan French is out with a shoulder injury and Jared Hayne is also out with a hip injury. So that, along with Gutho still sitting on the pine, means that they're short uh, a fullback despite having, you know, four to choose from normally. It's going to be Will Smith in the number one jersey. George Jeans comes into the back line and Obama shifts to centre. The other big change is Cameron King's out with Kaiser Pritchard starting at hooker. That's going to be a big one because Pritchard, you know, King's gone down a few times with various injuries and head knocks and stuff. Kaiser Pritchard is the the HIA specialist, which he showed last year on a number of occasions. So, I mean, um, I guess the relevance there, Wilfred, is um, we've seen Nathan Brown have to slot in the hooker before. So that does concern me a little bit with Will Smith having to go and start um, and no real backup hooker. It's probably going to happen again if um, Kaiser Pritchard can't return and play 80 minutes. I guess the benefit to that is I think Brown will play 80. Even if he spends 15, 20 minutes at hooker, he'll still be defending in the middle and making his tackles. So it's less runs, but more tackles, more time on field. So I think it's a win-win ultimately for him because then when Pritchard goes down with HIA, Brown's playing 80. Yeah, so I was going glass half empty there, but the, I, I like your glass half full take on that one. So, oh. <laughs> as a Nathan Brown owner, I've got to I've got to find the positives here. <laughs> oh, I've got him as well. I was a little bit worried, but um, only because Kaiser doesn't make his way through a game ever. So, yeah. Um, other than that, um, they also had Madagai and Evans drop out of the seventeen too. I'm not sure whether Evans got injured, but geez, he's just been a dud buy, I think, for them. Um, which yeah, actually, I think um, he did get injured. I just can't remember what the injury he was. He did. Okay, if he didn't, he's still a dud by. They probably should just drop him. But anyway, Matter <laughs> uh, <laughs> Guy also uh, got dropped out of the seventeen as well. Um, he's in jumper nineteen. So yeah, interesting changes. Um, I kind of see them as a good bounce back candidate this week, which might seem crazy, but um, they have to play better eventually because the Parramatta Eels have got a better roster than what they're currently playing. And likewise, I just I can't get my head around the Tigers playing as well as what they have because they do not have anywhere near as good a roster as what they're playing to. So, 
do you think this might be a little bit of a reversion week where Parramatta shows something and the Tigers also um, aren't as good? It's kind of got that smell about it, doesn't it? It really I does. Mean, the key out is Jared Haynes on the team. That, that helps <laughs> that, that exponentially. Really team it, it's, it's crazy, right? The, the time when Hain got injured, the Titans played so much better last year. So who knows if that's what's going to happen here. And you, you didn't mention T-Rex. I can't believe you didn't. Oh, no, T-Rex. I miss the great T-Rex, the great man. Man didn't jump a 17. They should play him at halfback. <laughs> so, He'll fix their attack straight away. Well, I just reckon we could see him running at Luke Brooks and carrying him for like 15 metres, <laughs> something like that. I am excited to see another T-Rex sighting. It's been a little while. So, yeah, that is a positive as well. He played one game last year for 69 points. So who knows what's going to happen? Well, that's a 69 average that he's bringing in from last year. So you never know. Yeah, exactly. (laughs) There's your pod. (laughs) (laughs) All right. Well, that's the final game of the round. So an interesting TLT there, nonetheless. So on that note, we'll wrap up. Wilfred, thanks for jumping back on again. Always great to have you. We'll have you on again, I'm sure. No worries. Thanks for having me. Great. And for everyone out there, good luck in round four. Have a great Easter. And try not to rage trade and tear your team apart for Gareth Widdop. You can download us uh, either by SoundCloud and follow us, or you can also jump onto iTunes and download uh, or follow us at NRL Supercoach All Stars Pod on Twitter. Thanks very much for listening, guys, and we'll chat to you again soon. Yeah.